Hi everyone and welcome to our second instalment of our Talk Pensions and Benefits UK podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Joe Holness, uh, who I'm very excited to have on board. Uh, Joe works for Thrive, who are the only NHS approved app when it comes to mental health and well-being in the corporate world. Joe, welcome today. Thank you very much for coming on today uh really excited to have this conversation so yeah thank you for joining us no thanks tom it wouldn't be a zoom call without the obligatory wave (laughs) yeah yeah hello hello and uh yeah a few people have already commented over the last six seven months i've had a lot of these calls and the vast majority comment on the wallpaper so if you are watching us on youtube that's not my choice that was uh my other halves but uh, it normally gets normally gets a comment but um but anyway joe mental health and well-being it's it's a subject that i'm very interested in i think it's a subject that is finally getting the exposure that it should do it's it's such an issue that does need to be tackled and thankfully is being tackled but you're you're the expert when it comes to this so why just to kick us off why do you feel it is so important and why do you feel like companies are actually now paying attention to it great question and fundamentally everyone has mental health you know you me whoever's watching everyone in the world wherever they're from mental health is part of their life mm-hmm. and some people have good mental health some people may struggle with their mental health but the important thing is that we're all the unique thing here is that we all have it so it really is important to ensure we have a healthy mindset a great daily routine good things in life and in place where our mental health benefits from it. The thing is mental health can happen anywhere, anytime at different people's lives, whether that's through school, professional career, retirement. And it's, it's a huge thing. And from a, I guess a corporate and business perspective, you know, it sounds cliche, but the people are such an important asset and to be perceived as a good responsible employee, want to give them those, I guess, benefits and I suppose solutions that can help their employees as best they possibly can. So example, you know, they want to have people have a healthy workforce so they can provide them with gym memberships or things like that. And I suppose it needs to be the same for mental health. And as you alluded to, mental health is such a big thing. Now, granted, COVID's happened, it's taken a global pandemic to make people realize that mental health is a big thing. But even before that, um, mental health, sadly, was always part of this imaginary agenda that a lot of people get talking about. But now is the time where it's really serious. You know, we're in really strange circumstances. People have been made redundant, furloughed. People have been, been working from home since March. And that has had a big impact on mental health. So it's, it's, it's a really big subject that we need to be very open to talk about and ensure that businesses have a strategy in place to support their people. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Joe and I uh, had a conversation before we got started where we spoke about our own personal experiences and, and how I don't think there's anyone that hasn't had an experience of mental health, of someone suffering uh, from, from, from their own mental health, whether it's a friend or a family member. I mean, the figures are, are staggering. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing a, a statistic that more people unfortunately lost their lives through suicide than COVID during the month of August. And however you look at the statistics, it doesn't make for great reading in, you know, quite frankly, one suicide's too many, but unfortunately they do happen. So where do you come in, Joe? Where does Thrive come in when it comes at 
to looking at corporate strategies aimed at the detection and the prevention and the ongoing management of employees mental health and well-being absolutely so i'll probably answer that two ways if that's okay from an employee perspective and also an employer perspective so from a employer perspective the big challenge that we have seen since thrive formed back in 2012 and even before then to be honest is that organizations don't really have a true understanding of how their employees feel mm-hmm. so to elaborate on that, they don't understand how many of their employees in terms of percentage are experiencing anxiety, experiencing stress, struggling with burnout. And it doesn't give them that information to really understand what's going on. And that's not being a negative way because that data is incredibly hard to get hold of. You can't just create that off nothing. So thankfully with our platform and our app that employees use, it actually highlights what's going on in the business, a true holistic view of the activity that's happening, but also common themes and top five stresses that may be triggering those emotions. So for example, we could see in the data that actually the top five stresses could be weight, it could be feeling lonely, and that information is like gold dust for people teams who want to make a big difference for their people. Now where that data comes from is from our app. So you mentioned earlier on, our app is very much focusing on the early detection, and prevention and also self-management as well, which we can come on to later on. But the early detection piece is critical to make sure that someone seeks support or gets support, or maybe makes that individual aware that maybe it's worth having a conversation with as much earlier as opposed to later on, because studies have shown, I'm not gonna quote stats, the earlier you talk, the earlier you understand that you maybe you're experiencing something and talk to someone, it's highly likely that actually you can get, I suppose, treatment, and I use that loosely, quicker, and actually help that person much quicker. Because if you think about it, the more you keep quiet, naturally you're gonna be a bit more unhealthy mentally, and one day it's gonna sadly lead to a horrible incidence potentially. So yes, essentially we help businesses understand how the employees feel, and with the app, we allow employees to understand their emotions, go through the CBT programs we have in the app, hundreds of hours plus content in there to help them with mindfulness and all these other exercises that evidence has shown time and time again helps people with mental health. Mm. The one big thing within the app as well is all of the content in there. We can't say we invented it, but the two co-founders who worked for the NHS for 20 plus years each on the front line, they knew all the evidence there and all of the techniques they used in practice had a really high level of support for people and help them with their mental health much, much earlier. Mm. And you talk about prevention, and I think this is uh, one of the key areas because we can talk about strategies and, and, and perhaps you and I will talk about strategies and some of the other points that you just mentioned in a sec. But early prevention is so key. Talking about it, I think, you know, particularly for us, we are men, you know, there is this very common uh, kind of misconception that men need to be strong and 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 we need to man up which is you know a phrase that i absolutely hate when it comes to the early kind of detection and then that early prevention of it what are you able to share any initiatives that that businesses are doing or that thrive does recommend that maybe don't necessarily nip it in the bud but at least get people talking early and tackling it early Absolutely. So specifically within the Thrive app, 
the big thing that makes the app as successful as it is, it's very personal to that individual user. So it's not a generic app where everything is the same. It actually understands how that human being is feeling in terms of myself, for example. And the good thing within the app as well is that it actually can detect if you're experiencing symptoms of depression or anxiety. Now, how it does that is it'll ask you sets of questions to rate your mood and understand what your mood specifically is. So let's say, for example, I've been feeling anxious for the past two weeks. Why? Because work, I'm making redundancies. I'm not sure if my job's secure. It's making me anxious. I've got pills to pay, so on and so forth. And if you answer some specific questions that the app asks you, and these are the same questions that are asked when you go to your GP, so they're actually called the PHQ-9 and the GAD-7, so medically validated questions. And once you answer them in a specific way, the app will detect if you are having any mild, moderate, or severe symptoms when it comes to mental health. And the app can signpost you to talk to the, your employer's EAP program. It can encourage you to talk to a mental health first aider. Also, you can actually talk to a live human psychologist within our app as well. So there's loads of different options for that person to, one, understand how they feel, but also if they're having symptoms, whether they're mild, moderate or severe, there's always some sort of support available to them. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, mental health first aiders. This is something that, that I actually looked into a little while ago. I ended up, um, I was talking to a candidate of mine who, who took that course and, and, and you know, took that accreditation and I was really, really interested and we got chatting about it. And where do you feel that they add value? And I know that's a bit of an obvious one, but where does the value come from, from having them within a business? See, it's, that's an interesting one. So just before COVID, there was a lot of talk about mental health first aiders and the value they can bring. And obviously six months later, it's still very obvious that mental health first aiders is a very big initiative that organizations want to implement. So yes, in theory, the idea of having someone available in an office or remotely who you can talk to about mental health is a great initiative from a presence perspective. However, we've got to be a little bit careful of, I suppose, the individual's needs when it comes to mental health support. And this actually ties in quite nicely with some of the other bigger issues that's happening in mental health too. So again, purely speaking from my own experience when I was going through my tough time, would I feel comfortable talking to Joe Bloggs in finance or marketing about my most personal feelings and experiences? Not really, to be honest with you. That's purely just me though. Some people are happy to open and talk to people they may not know, but because the mental health first aiders are trained to be aware of people experiencing mental health, it's a sign and I suppose a process where it can actually encourage people to talk, open up, but also, signposts that help can be there so it's a good initiative some people like it some people don't that's purely a preference thing but the problem again with mental health first aiders and eaps as well as i mentioned is just the fact that you have to open up to maybe someone that you don't know or feel mm. comfortable doing and that's why sadly the take-up is typically low for mental health first aiders and employee assistance programs yeah, and that's something that, again, you know, you and I shared uh, a few examples of our own experiences before before I clicked uh, record. But it's something that, that, that I've struggled with. I've got a fantastic relationship with my colleagues. I've been here for the last 10 years. My bosses, my peers, I will talk to them about anything. You know, we'll talk about, you know, family life. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about, you know, anything really. But when I've struggled, 
that's probably the one area that I won't talk about. I struggle to talk about it with my own family. Um, perhaps, well, not even perhaps, I shouldn't say that. I didn't talk about it with my own family because I didn't want to seem, you know, burdensome. I didn't want them to worry or to be stressed. I didn't want to, you know, add that pressure to them. And it was the same with my bosses, really. It wasn't because I didn't feel like I could. It was, I just didn't want to add that stress to their lives. I thought, well, just man up. We've got that phrase again, man up and, and get on with it. And hopefully yeah. a few positive thoughts are going to help. But they didn't, it, you know, it, it took to actually speaking to a professional to start to, to, you know, introduce new tactics or new coping mechanisms or whatever phrase you want to use to actually get me kind of back on the straight and narrow. So if someone's watching this now, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate for you and I to, to, to do this. If someone's watching now and they're actually thinking, that describes me, I want to talk about it. And I, it's not a case of, I don't feel like I can to the people closest to me, whether in their professional or their personal life, but they're not, they're finding it too difficult to take that step, to take that plunge. Is there any kind of hints, tips, insights that you can give to that person that might be listening to, to get over that line, if you see what I mean? Yeah, totally. And that's probably the biggest barrier in all of the mental health aspects, I suppose. Again, personally speaking, I struggled with anxiety at school, like thousands of other people. It's not unique, but that carried on later on in life into my professional career in a way. And the big thing for me was I didn't want to be perceived as someone who was failing or, you know, I kind of felt a little bit ashamed in a way that I should, I'm feeling this way. So overcoming that barrier is very, very difficult. Now, everyone's a bit different and individual when it comes to how they get over that barrier. So strictly for me, I actually confined it in one of my bosses at the time. And I just said that I was really struggling. I've been feeling like this for a long, long time. And the first thing he said to me, and I still remember this to this day, is that I was not the first one to go through this, nor will I be the last. So first and foremost, what I will say is if people are struggling, you know, or are experiencing some difficulties in their life from a mental health perspective, they're not the first, you're not the only ones. And actually there are more people who stay silent as opposed to be taking that big plunge essentially to seek that support. So I suppose, you know, tips, sounds cliche but it really is good to talk and if there is genuinely no you know human in your life that you don't feel comfortable talking about this and it's such a big thing there are other services available you know i'm a big big passionate champion of the samaritans you know the work those guys do phenomenal you know their job is to simply listen and they can give you some support in terms of next steps and make recommendations so they're a great resource to talk to. And again, it's completely confidential, it's anonymous, so you don't have to feel like you have to tell them your life story from your name and number and address. And there's also other charities as well. You know, Mind, they offer some great support, Mental Health UK as well. There's lots of resources available. And that's the kind of the beauty of technology nowadays is that we have a lot of available solutions from buttons on our phone or iPad or laptop. And support is always available. You know, and again, as I said, it's very individual for people. Everyone does it in different ways. So it's trying to find the right way that suits you and also take it at your own pace. It's a very, very big thing to do to take that first step. It's really brave to do so and kudos to everyone who does it. 
And to those who maybe still keep thinking, oh, I don't know, it's, it's still too personal. Do you know what? Take your time. The good thing is that you acknowledge that you may, and I say that loosely, may need help. And that's probably the very first thing you need to do as well. Mm. So there's certainly a lot of resources available. It's trying to find the right one for you, but there's loads of available resources out there. Yeah, no, and that's, that is an excellent point. It's, yeah, it's so important for people to remember that there isn't a one size fits all solution here um and that you're you're not alone you know and um we had a conversation uh the the whatsapp group that i'm in with all my mates from school we've known each other for over 20 years we've been through everything together and we'll talk about anything and everything apart from this and we started to embrace it more we started to discuss it we started to share our own personal experiences and it took for one of us to, to share uh, a post that was on LinkedIn, uh, sorry, on Facebook, we were sharing this post that said, I'd rather deal with a hundred phone calls of, of, of my friends screaming and shouting and crying down the phone than go to one funeral. And it, it almost, you could almost feel it stop us all in our tracks and realize, oh God, yeah. Like you're not weak for talking about this. You're not weak for wanting to have a cry or a shout or a scream or anything like that. Not at all. This is not a sign of weakness. This is you putting your hands up saying, I need help. Absolutely. And that's cool. And there will be a hundred, a thousand people, whether it is those fantastic organizations that you just mentioned and many, many more, whether it is your GP, whether it is a friend or a family member, um, there are so many ways you know, to, to, to reach out. So yeah, if there is anyone kind of listening that hasn't um, done so, it is time to reach out. Or even if you've done so before, because again, that's something that I've, I've struggled with, you know, I've, I've, I've struggled before, overcome it. And then when the second time came around, I almost felt, like you said, almost felt ashamed for, well, why didn't this work first time? Why haven't I fixed it? Why has this come back? This shouldn't have come back. I should have beaten this. And even that, that's such a toxic mindset because that's not, it's, it's, it's never going to work like that. It's never going to be a case of, oh, I've fixed this problem with my car, so I'm not going to have any other problems with my car ever. There's always going to be problems coming up. You know, you can't prevent everything. But like we said earlier, that, that early prevention and recognizing, you know, how to tackle it head on, that's going to be a great, great, great I'm first step. And I do think that's important, though, in terms of sort of strategies. And mm. don't be afraid, like, when it comes to mental health to hit the nail on the head. And you don't need to sugarcoat it. You know, mental health is there, you know. And how can I say it's in the easiest possible way? You know, depression is probably one of the most common mental health illnesses out there. Don't be ashamed to admit that this is a problem in an organisation or people's day-to-day mm. life. It's there. It's not going to go away. And like you said, Tom, you had your battles on more than one occasion. And good for you for sharing that. Thanks very much. And that's the, the strange thing too with mental health and this wonderful thing called the human brain. It does some very interesting things to you. Um, and again, understanding how your mind works sooner rather than later can really help with your mental health too. And one big thing I will say when it's fresh on my mind, you mentioned about, let's say a few years ago, you would say mental health, people tell you to man up or big boys don't cry. I do believe we are getting away from that mindset as a society from yeah. a corporate perspective, which is great. There's still a lot more work to do, don't get me wrong, and it's not going to happen overnight. 
but certain things like that and those certain comments can trigger some quite awful situations and make people feel quite low about themselves. Mm. So there's much more work to be done from an awareness piece and it quite ties quite nicely in with how organizations are reviewing your culture and their beliefs and what it is they want to embed within their organization. And a lot of things come up time and time again. They want to make sure it's very open, kicking the stigma out of mental health and also other aspects of people's lives. It's a big thing that we need to acknowledge. Yeah. And uh, another point that I just want to pick up on, you mentioned um, obviously companies are embracing this. Have you seen any organizations that perhaps have struggled to embrace this because maybe they've sat there and thought, well, we want to have a perfect glass door you know, rating, we want to have perfect Google reviews. Um, you know, mental health doesn't exist here. We don't have that problem here because we're such an amazing employer. Have you found any companies that do have that mindset? Or likewise, do you see that being very far from reality? And actually, most firms are accepting that it is part and parcel of life. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of my job is I get to talk to all different kinds of businesses all day, every day. And I've heard some really amazing initiatives that have been put in place. And some, sadly, with respect, I'm in a bit of a dinosaur age about it. So where people, and the most common objection that, not necessarily when they talk about Thrive, but when it comes to bringing in something new for mental health, is that you have your senior leaders at the top of the organization or members of the board or whoever. And this is not for every organization. But there's also a culture thing there. I think I alluded to it earlier on that they've had been stuck in their ways for many years. It's work, businesses making money, they're doing what they need to do. So from that level, top level perspective, in their world, it's absolutely fine. But people below that, maybe who are mentally struggling and crying out for support discreetly or even openly, and not getting that investment from the top is a very big problem. And again, I do believe that's a culture thing. Having said that, as I said before, there's some amazing initiatives in place. Also, I won't name names, but there's um, a digital, um, I suppose, digital marketing and sales organization we're working with. And they do a mindfulness session every day, you know, 15 minutes every day, nine o'clock to 9.15. Friday, they do an hour of mental health, um, you know, yoga session or something that helps with their mental health. And it's all these little initiatives like that that really helps embrace culture, open people up and... It's amazing to see. So to cut a long story short, I would probably say that the, I would say that organizations still need to do more, but they're going in the right direction, which is really promising to see. And it's nice to actually see it too, finally, after these years. Yeah, no, definitely. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more there, Joe. So no, that's fantastic. And um, there was something that you shared the other day, which, um, you know, you and I, we both love LinkedIn uh, and we both love posting and sharing and, and, and engaging with people on LinkedIn. And I, I follow your posts and you shared something the other day that talked about education. And we talk about kids at school learning, you know, right, this is what photosynthesis is. This is what Pythagoras theorem means. And this is, you know, whatever else, which is all important. You know, we're not disregarding that, but you made a point of how important mental health should be uh, should be taken in school should be taught in schools um i don't know if you've actually seen that or not but why you know again you know i i, I kind of know the answer but i'm going to ask for the answer because you're the expert but yeah why is that so important for that to actually be embraced with the younger generation and what impact do you think that's going to have 
in the next 10, 20, 30 years? I think when you break it down into plain sort of layman terms as such, when we go to school, yes, we learn about the periodic table, we learn about photosynthesis, all that sort of stuff. And you also learn much more at school that's non-educational. You know, you learn how to interact with people, you learn how to make friends, you learn some other life skills as a young person. And that can play quite a big foundation on how you grow up gradually. And also you can take some experiences, both good and bad, into your adult life. So I'm a firm, firm big believer that mental health needs to be embedded some way, shape or form in the education system. Not to the point where you need to take exams to understand how mindfulness works, but as a minimum, mental health awareness, we talked off air about this, recognising the signs and understanding what people may be going through, and just being aware of how mental health works and, and what the benefits are of having a good mental mindset, but also what to do if you're struggling yourself or your friends or peers are. And again, it's not a direct dig at the schools at all. I mean, I, I totally understand it could be a resource thing. You know, teachers are under incredible pressure, budgets are being cut left, right and centre. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough time in the education world. But there must be some way where you can find just 10 minutes in that curriculum somewhere that you could just focus purely on mental health for 10 minutes. Nothing more, nothing less. And I genuinely think the results speak for themselves and what positive impact it can actually have. And teachers are included in that equation as well. The amount of pressure those guys are at the moment, and I can't even imagine it. So they are, they are included too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's it. You know, I've, I've uh, spoken to, to some teachers, you know, some friends of ours or, or, you know, friends of friends over the years. And you speak about, you know, you learn, you know, don't do drugs. Don't give in to peer pressure. But why isn't mental health part of that conversation? Likewise, I remember the old PE lessons where it was, we're going to play football and rugby and basketball and we're going to run around the field for an hour. And, you know, they, that's character building as well as very important fitness. And, and, and again, you know, a healthy lifestyle is important. But I don't think we'd have ever done yoga. I went to an all-boys school. Yoga was never an option. It was football or rugby or something similar. But why can't that be done now? Why can't a PE lesson once a week, 30 minutes, be mindfulness or yoga or anything along those lines that could nurture, you know, that knowledge and that understanding and that, you know, recognition within the younger generations? And I think I even put the comment uh, on your post there. You know, I've got three young kids. I would much rather, as they grow up, they can recognize okay, you know, I've got those butterflies in my stomach, that means I'm anxious. So I'm going to now take this strategy, or I'm now going to do this rather than, you know, I know what, you know, the capital of a certain country is. Obviously, that's still important, but you get... In hindsight, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, as I said before, like thousands of people, I struggled with my mental health at school behind the scenes. So I like to think of myself as quite confident, open, to a degree class clown sometimes at school. But inside, I was really nervous, really anxious about exams, trying to perform the best I can. And combine that with maybe taking a bit more time to understand how some subjects work and learning about them. I found it quite difficult. I always have done school-wise and obviously inside that was kind of eating me up, but I'll just put on a, you know, the mask, the, the infamous mask when you pretend everything is normal and happy. So again, it's just, there may be a personal attachment to it, but that's again why I do strongly feel something should be done more 
when it comes to education and mental health, definitely. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. You know, even now in 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 the Alexander Lloyd offices, I think I'm known as being one of the the louder ones and 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 being someone that's that's reasonably confident and outgoing. But I'll be honest, five minutes before you and I jumped on this call, those butterflies are starting to circulate. Uh, the first podcast that I did last week, again, very, very nervous. I can present in front of people and I can talk to people, but again, I'm still out of my comfort zone. Um, so I know that I can recognize it and I know some tips uh, that I can put into place and tactics that I can put into place to, to manage it, but it's not it's not foolproof. It doesn't work every time. It doesn't mean that they're not going to come up next week at my next recording and the week after and the week after. It's just like we say, we recognize it. So um, and again, teaching kids, if they are getting those feelings, as you said, that's perfectly normal. Mm. And when stigma free as such, when it comes to mental health, it just applies now as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. Totally agree with that. And again, what I would want to kind of foster within my three is having that is normal. Like you just said, having those feelings is normal. Talk about it. You're never going to be in trouble. You're never going to be kind of pushed aside. I'll oh, just get on with it. You know, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's a case of no, no, no. All right, let's stop. Let's talk about it. Let's have this conversation. So again, going back to, to your world and your specialism, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine, companies need to have the same approach and companies are having the same approach. They're not going to just push, push staff aside. They're actually going to say, okay, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's work with that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, spot on, you know, companies now more than ever have realized the need for mental health support for employees. And there again, there's loads of different resources available. It's just trying to find the right one that's suitable for them. Mm. So it's very much on the radar now, which is fantastic. And yeah. again, the key thing really I suppose is ensuring to deliver a good mental health strategy is actually understanding what the people want what the business want and also what the business can afford there are some initiatives out there that are very low costs um, for example income protection schemes have added value services and again that could be things like employee assistance programs so you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on all these initiatives where you may have some stuff that you're not utilizing as much. So like school kids, we have to do our homework. So do organizations. So yeah, mm. mental health strategies, initiatives, very much on the agenda at the moment, which is great. And I'm really glad you've said that as well. And, and, and as a closing kind of point, I think there's probably would be someone, or hopefully there's, there's, there's someone kind of listening that's, that's taking it all on board, but maybe has that thought in the back of their head going, well, how much is this going to cost? How am I going to afford this? As well as everything else, you know, COVID, it, it's decimated most businesses. You know, we can't afford to do that. But that's a great point that you've made, that there are so many initiatives that, that they don't require so much money to be pumped into them. It's, you know, could be done reasonably cheap, but you know, the, the, the output and the um, result from it can just be so, so worthwhile. Massively, you know, yeah. and again, there are so many different initiatives out there. Um, ironically, some of them have happened overnight, just in time for COVID, read into that as you will. But do your homework, you know, the important thing is, you know, mental health is a big subject, it's a very personal, very 
again, very um, important part of your day-to-day -day life. And if you want to provide that support for those employees, fantastic. That's great news. When you get to that stage, my biggest advice would be do your homework and do your research. You want to make sure that all of the content is clinically validated. You want to make sure that it's actually trusted types of techniques within technology, even speakers and you know, coaches as such. Just do your due diligence as you would if you were booking a holiday. You'd be on straight on TripAdvisor, wouldn't you, nowadays? Obviously, holidays. What a lovely thing that would be. Yeah, but yeah. Same principle, do your homework, do your research, find companies that are experienced at what they're doing, have been around for quite some time and established, but back up what it is that they actually do, you know, and that's, that's probably why I'm actually just so thankful and actually really happy that I'm part of this Thrive journey. As I said, we're NHS approved, that's a voluntary scheme that we do, we don't have to do it, but we want to do it, we want to give the best content, we want to be the most secure and safe environment for employees to look after their mental health. So do your homework, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, Something I should have done at school. No, definitely. You and you and me both then, Joe. So no, that's been excellent. And thank you again uh, for coming on. And uh, it is a subject that, um, you know, affects us all. It's something that I'm very passionate about. You're very passionate about. And I suppose the final closing comment is, if there is anything that you want to discuss, please do reach out to Joe, reach out to myself. Obviously, if we have discussed anything uh, that has really kind of uh, resonated with you and you want to reach out to organizations, Joe mentioned them earlier, the Samaritans, mine, there are so, so many. You are not alone. There is no you know, weakness. There is no stigma around reaching out and looking for that support. So please, please do if you have been affected by anything that we have just discussed. But Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and thank you. Uh, thank you to all of those that have listened and watched and um, hopefully we'll see you all soon. Obligatory wave. Bye-bye. <laughs>